Are you ready to begin your journey out of the realm of just theories and into a world of excitement and experience that only comes with braving the unknown? Join us as we speak to entrepreneurs who have faced the challenges of successfully creating businesses at home as well as abroad. Whether it's arts, services, or tech, from Shanghai to Tokyo, Bangkok to Mumbai, we'll help you find your inspiration and turn it into action. Get ready for Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. Now welcome your host, Neville J. McKenzie. Today's conversation is with William Leong. William worked in Hong Kong for nine years before moving to China in 2001. He is one of the two founding partners of Wilson Partners Limited, which has been involved in providing accounting services in China since 2003 and has offices in Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Malaysia and Singapore. He has a total of 20 years' experience that places him in a privileged position to know what the difference is between success and failure in these markets. In this conversation, he gives his own insights on how to achieve success in China. He reveals why his own failures occurred and how he met his current partner in 2003 to form Wilson Partners Limited which still has the original first three employees among its now 80 staff. William stresses the importance of considering the risks that can lead to failure and also discusses the practice he follows for the continued success of Wilson Partners Limited for both the short and long term. Throughout, he gives practical advice on how to seriously approach doing business in China and touches on many other important ideas. So now, without further delay, let's begin. I'm Neville McKenzie. I'm with William Leong. William Leong I've known for some time. We've attended a few entrepreneur events, and I've been meaning to get William on my podcast for some time now. So, William, can you just introduce yourself? Hi, William. Good to see you again. My name is William Leong, and I come from Malaysia. I was educated in London, UK. Then a workshop while there, and then more my professional life actually start in Hong Kong. And I worked there for nine years. Uh, I worked in one of the big firms in Hong Kong. And then early 2001, I decided to resign from that company and move on to China. And the cities I have chosen was Shanghai. Because I think Shanghai at that time is still a bit backward compared to the Guangdong area, but it's rising. So I prefer to go to a city that actually is moving upwards. Describe your business. My business is accounting business. We provide accounting services. We provide tax filing service. We provide the audit service. We also provide HR support service to companies. And also we help companies to set up in China which is the first step most entrepreneurs do when they come to China. You yeah. mentioned Guangdong. Why were you considering Guangdong? Now, because it's so close to Hong Kong. And I used to travel to Guangdong a lot. And I served a lot of clients before for my ex firm in Guangdong area. I'm more familiar with Guangdong area than anywhere else. Especially I'm a Cantonese myself. I can speak the dialect very well, I've got no problem moving around, and then uh, I can easily get the credentials from the people that I deal with. The only thing is, at this point of time, I think in the future, in the long run, I may face with a lot of competition from 
my counterparts from Hong Kong in the long run. So I think uh, I'll try to move away from them and then uh, come to Shanghai. And of course, uh, there's an opportunity for me then. I met with two Hong Kong friends who wanted to start something in Hong uh, in Shanghai. So I decided to uh, agree with them and then come to Shanghai to start that business. Well, unfortunately, that business did not go well. And uh, So what was that business? Oh, same business that I'm doing. Oh, same, yeah. yeah. It's just the things didn't go well. And then after one year, I actually uh, decided to leave them. Your first business failed. Why did it fail? I picked the wrong partners. That's a major problem with that. Yeah. Well, it failed after one year. Then I decided to move on. And then I worked with some other friends in Shanghai as a management consultants. So I worked on some projects for, for companies like Novartis and stuff like that. And yeah, later on, I was pushed by another two more Hong Kong friends who invited me to join them. They weren't they, worried by your previous failures? No, no. They need me. They need you? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because when I was in Hong Kong, uh, like I said before, I spent a lot of time in, in China. I'm, I'm kind of like a China expert to them. And also, when I was in Hong Kong, I started a department for my ex-firm, which is called China Department. And uh, I was the head for that department. So anything to do with China, it comes to me. And that's why like, I manage a lot of uh, China-related type of operations and services for my ex-firm. That's why I think that I'm someone that they need to partner with. So they approached me and asked me to join them uh, in the partnership. Are they your current partners? No, but uh, at that time, actually, just by chance, then I got to see my current partner. Yeah. And then actually, I invited him to join me together and join this uh, partnership. And he agreed, but uh, it's a bit unfortunate. After six months, we left. That was a previous company? Yeah, we did. Yep. Then we left. And started the current company called Wilson. Ah. Yeah. Will is double L double N. Yeah, Wilson. Because Will is me, Sun is him. Okay. So yeah. my partner is Sunny, so you know it's Wilson. And I've and met Sunny also at some of the entrepreneurial right, events. Right, right, right. Yeah. So uh, I think that is quite a long time ago. Yeah. We started that company in early 2003 until now. So it has been more than 12 years now. It's coming to the 13 years. So, well, it's, uh, things are moving for us and uh, we grow from three persons. My first staff still with us. Now we've got close to 80 people and our offices cover Beijing, Guangzhou, Shenzhen and Chengdu as well. Of course, our biggest office is in Shanghai, which is our headquarters. That sounds good. Let me summarize now. You've had two failures. Is that right? Or yeah, one yeah, yeah. I would say it's failures, yeah. And yeah. your current company has been going now for 13 years. Yeah. So what do you see from your experience as mm. the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make when they come to China? I've seen a lot of failures in China. I mean, for, for entrepreneurs who come here over the 20, more than 20 years. Actually. In fact, I'll summarize it to like two categories. One category is their friends, who are also a foreigner, and the failure could be they pick the wrong partner, which is very, very often. And they also pick uh, some so-called, the other category is 
picking some Chinese as their partners or German, German partners or whatever to work together with them to start a company, things like that. This is also very common. Especially for a foreign, foreigner, you know, you come here, you do know about China market, you know, you want to know more and then someone actually approach you, you know, or you approach them that, hey, you got this experience, you got these resources, hey, something that I can use and uh, work together and then we can probably work wonders. Things like that, they always start up with this kind of uh, dream and vision. Well, a lot of the time, after they have started out with this, and then actually they do not do the right thing is like to examine is this partner the right partner for me? Are we have the same vision? What you want to go for? What you want to have for the company? What is planned for the company? Is that on the foreigner side or is that on both. the Chinese? Both sides. Both, yeah, side, both yes. sides. This problem is not really just really to do with just Chinese partner, it goes with the foreign partners as well. It's important. All the necessary questions that you may have to question yourself. Why do I need this person as my partner? What this person can contribute towards this partnership, things like that. This is very important because if you do not do that, it's very easy for us to fall into the trap that we set for ourselves. Yeah? So you see people come into China and some Chinese yeah. are seeing, oh, it's going to work. Yeah. We can't yeah. fail. Yeah. It's always like that, just like a marriage. It's easy to you know to caught each other. You feel very good about that, you know, honeymoon each other for a while. Then you feel so good about it. Let's start something. But when you come to the real thing, when you start a company, you're talking about marriage. Yeah. You need resources, you need money to keep it going. Just like a marriage. You need to keep the family going, you have to earn more money, you know. So, so do you thing. see these breakups occurring when things are going badly more often than when things are going well? I would say both. Well, it depends on the situation. I would say a lot of the time, it's just like uh, the partners, they are not really on par. Some are more resourceful, some not. Okay, Especially in terms of the capital or funds that they have. Let's say they start a company, and then they need further funds. Where to get it? Either come from your own pocket, you know, some have deep pockets, some have shallower pockets. If let's say you need more funds, can you come up with more funds? If someone actually cannot come up with funds, that means you want to break up or what? You know, or want to find somebody else or a new investor, but it's not easy to come back, especially for smaller enterprises. So this could be a lot of issues here. That's why like my advice is like, you know, try to work all this out before you really start something. Yeah, this is for the so-called uh, relationship with the partner. To work things out before they happen, in my opinion, it would be difficult to work out this problem will occur. Very um, true. But what do you do? A lot of the time, because they are so excited about something, I find a lot of people don't really go through all these things. It, it should be about what question you want to ask about this partnership. That's why like I just say, why you need this person? Why you don't need this person? Like my partnership, my current partner, he is very good at uh, doing marketing. He likes to meet with people. He likes to network. But for me, I can do that. But uh, if he likes to do that, I can let him do more. Then I spend more time on the operation because he's not the operation guy. His characters, everything, he's not operation guy. He's more on the marketing and business dealing and stuff like that. 
So he's more than he loves to do that. So it's best for him to do that. That's your current yeah. partner. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing. You know what the value is and things like that. They can work on that. So each person can play their role, their responsibility. What kind of synergy you can have with your partners? This is very important. And also, can it last? Of course, you will not have the answer immediately until and unless you work together with the person. But one thing we can think is get to know your partner further. You want to know about the characters, you know, whether you can work well the person or not. Not saying that you, you need to really understand fully about what he's done, but you need to really know about this person. Otherwise, it's going to be a big problem. I was told by a professor a long time ago, about 20 odd years ago, that to find the right partner, it's more difficult to find than find a wife. Because business partner, they are not so tolerant. Why probably can be more tolerant than your business partner? They might be nagging, but they tolerate you. But not your business partner. They won't do that. So your business partner will, or some business partners, at the first sight of any trouble or disagreement, they'll be off. So what advice would you give to somebody to find out if this person is a good partner for them or if they'll last the course? Yeah, I would say... Join more events, uh, what the entrepreneur club in Rain. You meet the other entrepreneurs. You don't have to ask all the questions to the same person. You can gain their experience. You talk to them, they can share with you some of the stories that you probably, if you don't ask, they won't tell. That kind of thing. Especially for those very young ones, they've got no experience. It's better for them to talk to someone experienced. They learn more from them. What kind of things that they should look for in terms of finding the right partner. Look for the success stories and why they work. Study why some partnership work. Why? What was the element in that? So all these things is, is about human chemicals. All these things, whether it click or not, is really depends. There is no quick and fast rule about this thing. When you try to dig more, then you start to realize, actually, ah, okay. Slowly you will learn that whether this person can be part of the team or not. It's very important because it's always the case. It's easy to invite a partner in but it's very difficult to ask a partner out, always. What do you base that on? When you ask somebody to join in, it's so easy. Because once you can get the person excited about the future, about something, the person can simply join. But once you find the partner is not right, you want to ask the partner to go, then a lot of work for you to do. What's the reason you want to ask the person to go? And then what kind of conversation you want to give to the person? for him or her to go. All these are a lot of questions to be answered. It's not so easy. That's why like I say, you need to take some precaution steps. You better play the devil advocate upfront rather than become the devil advocate later. What you're saying is when you go into a business yeah. arrangement with a yeah. partner, yeah. you should assume that it will break down Yeah, and yeah. have a clause just an yeah. agreement, a verbal yeah. agreement? Simple that... as that. For instance, I, I don't know whether you know someone called Lee Kashin from Hong Kong. He used to be the richest man in Asia. What he normally does is whenever he has any partnership with somebody, he spends a lot of time thinking, what can fill this generation? What can fill this partnership? What can fill it? He always spends a lot of time thinking about this thing. So it's good to think about failure even before you start. That means it provides you with more manageable risk assessment. So I consider him as the best 
the best risk manager in the world. Because he concentrates on failure. Yes, he thinks what can fail him. A lot of people do not spend time thinking of failure because this is human character. We want to think of something that is good for the future. But at the same time, you're not forgetting what can fail you. This is what he stressing in his interview before. He mentioned that if I bound to be successful, doesn't matter if I got 60 marks, I got 70 marks or 80 marks, to me, it's a success. A moderate success, to me, not important. But I'm more concerned about if I fail. Where will I be? What level I will fail to? That kind of thing is very important. He makes his point that you need to spend time thinking about that too. Yeah, right? because what I've found is a lot of entrepreneur events, entrepreneurs, concentrate so much on their success mm -hmm. it's, it's almost that if you work hard enough you will succeed but mm -hmm. from what i've seen mm -hmm. people are working hard and they're failing yeah and when they fail like you say where do they end up yeah exactly risk management it's, it's about risk management we run a business we know that business is about risk as well so we all know that business is a risk but most of the time, entrepreneurs do not manage the risk. That's a problem. So this could be the key of failure as well. Because once you do not actually see that whatever it could actually fail you, and then you do not spend time to make sure these things do not happen, or try to avoid it, or mitigate it to a certain extent, then this failure will come. It's just a matter of time, when. Going back to what your company does, yeah. so you're at an accounting firm, yeah. that would be managing money within the company? No, we help people to do the books, help them to do the filing for tax. Basically, we help them to do all the so-called statutory compliances. One of the most important factors in a business failure is cash flow. Is this something <clears throat> that you find yourselves involved with as an accounting company? Yes, sometimes, but most of the time, the client actually do not approach us on this thing. A lot of the time, they may feel that it's not really good to talk about it. A lot of people do that. Well, we have some clients that fail in the business. Like one of the restaurants used to be a very famous cook in Shanghai from one of these Western countries. I better not to mention much. He kind of like uh, ran into trouble with cash flow and they actually didn't come to us and talk to us, you know, what we can do. Never actually wanted to... But why was that? Right, could be one. Secondly, he probably think that even talk to us, we may not be able to help him. Because all he needs, apart from business, he needs sponsorship. And also, how to help him on, on certain things. In fact, later I found that he had been feeling dangerous. I went to see him and talk to him. And then he started to tell me about his difficulties. I started to help him by now, advising him on certain solutions that he can do. Yeah, I think it's a good idea, but a bit late because this restaurant in a bad location. There are a lot of people around there, but actually people do not walk over there. Around there. They keep on flowing around his place, just nearby, but never want to walk there. So he keep on complaining about the landlord and stuff like that. I tell him, why do you want to complain about the landlord? If the landlord is not doing anything, he's not going to help you to do anything anymore. So you have to help yourself. You, you, you can continue to complain, 
But what can it do for you? Nothing. So I, I suggest him, simple. The solution is you can recruit some people, people, people. You no need to have very educated people. Stand by along where people will flow. Guide them through to your restaurant. You can offer some discount or things like that, or that then lead them to your restaurants. It won't cost you much. That place is a tourist place, full of tourists. So many people. I think it's really also to do with his big mess up of what kind of target customer he wants. He opened his location there. That means supposedly he should target tourists. But the things he work on is not really targeting the, the tourists. He's targeting the local people. So if you want to target the local people, there's not a place for him to go. So it's just like he messed up this kind of concept. So this is bad because that location is a place that's difficult to get parking. If you want to target the local people, parking is something that's very important because this is upmarket restaurant. It's not low-end restaurants. It's a really top-end restaurants. So these people who can spend in your restaurant, it's got to be someone actually can drive or very good car. So if they can't park the car, no way they will come to your restaurant. Simple as that. So that means it should not be a location that you should look for in the beginning. That place is very suitable for tourists, not for the local people living around there. One of the examples of a failure that you've yeah, seen. He failed badly, this yeah. one, very badly, because his restaurant is very big. He got millions of investment in there, and then he's gone down to the drain, you know, in less than two years. So you were actually giving him advice in mm. a completely different area from your expertise. Especially for this particular client, we can't help much helping him because we, we help him on the tax filing and stuff like that, but he's not so open in terms of his financial issues. I mean, we can actually help him to cut the cash flow forecast for the company for the next few months, monitor the, the cash flow, how he can work on it. But obviously, the problem with this person is he was successful before with another restaurant. Very successful. In China? In China, in oh. Shanghai. Yeah, he was successful. So why do you think he was so coy about his finances? I think he can do a lot of things. But the thing is, he's a famous person before in the restaurant in the arena. That's why I don't want to mention him oh. because a lot of people will know him. People believe that he can do wonders, believe that he used to be successful, you know, he started another restaurant, you know, he thinks that it, it works for him. If somebody is just starting out as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. they have an idea, they come to you with what they perceive to be a very good idea, mm -hmm. how can you help them? Well, normally when, uh, when they come to me, I do not advise them on the commerce side. That means I actually do not question about the way they want to do their business. We normally we advise them on the tax structure, what type of company is suitable for them, how they can mitigate tax. This is what we normally do. And what we can help them in terms of like we do all the so-called back-end compliance for them so that they can focus on their business. This is what we can do best. So unless and until they come to us and say, hey, William, I want to hear your advice. Is it a good idea I should start, start something like that? Otherwise, I won't really comment on is it good or bad. 
because it's, it's none of my business to comment on people's idea. We all know that at that point of time, nobody will know that whether it's successful or, or it's a failure. From experience, sometimes we can see that deep down at heart, we know that it's not going to work. But sometimes it's, it's really bad that when you tell people it's not going to work, but why? You want to make enemy with your client? Not possible, right? So there are some other clients that, you know, the way they work on, you didn't know that it's not going to work. Just from experience, you can tell whether this kind of arrangement is workable or not. But a lot of the time, uh, not nice to tell them because we are not invited to. You mentioned that you spoke Cantonese. Yeah. Do you speak Mandarin? Yes. I speak Malay as well. Do you think an entrepreneur working in an Asian country should mm-hmm. speak the local language? No, not necessarily. I've seen a lot of successful people, they don't even speak a word of Chinese at all, yet they are successful. But one thing is one must really understand China culture. And also, you are successful now, doesn't mean that you will continue to be successful. You can see that in China, the market is so dynamic, things move very fast. This moment you are profitable, you are successful, doesn't mean that next few years you still continue to be profitable. I have seen some entrepreneurs, they are successful in the first few years. After four or five years, they're gone. Have you seen it the other way around, where they're not so successful in the first yeah, few years? Yeah. And then... Yeah. So the next question is, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, they do not check on one thing. How to make their business sustainable? Yes, they may come up with a great idea, very good idea, workable idea. Yeah, they can start something, you know, but after they start up something, Sometimes they are so proud of their own success, they stop thinking. They stop thinking about how to make it sustainable, how to expand it further. That could be a problem also. So at that point of time, they really stop thinking of what can kill me again. Some people, when they become successful, they, they won't listen. I have come across some people, my clients, when they become successful, they just won't listen to anybody. So what would you say would be the most important characteristic to create success, to maintain success in China? Maintain the high awareness of risk. Like what Li Kaching has done. He has proved for everybody the best risk manager in the world. Whenever he's successful, he still thinks about failures. He still thinks of when I fail, how I fail, and stuff like that. So that means like, well, you want to be sustainable, but the first question you have to ask, will I feel, even after I'm successful, will I feel? Yes, because nothing will go all up and never come down, right? Is that a question you ask yourself? True, I do. Yeah, How often do. would you ask yourself that question? Quite often, actually. Yeah. Can you reveal that? If you want to put a date, probably once a month or something like that. Once a month? Yeah, at least. Why I think about it so often is, I've been uh, talking to a lot of people, I've been teaching a lot of people. I always tell them, always think of failure. If you think of failure, that doesn't mean that you become a very negative person. You see things from a very negative way. No, that's not the way. You should look at things at a different angle. You can think about how you can make your business a success. But at the same time, what you also need to think, the downside of it. So you need to think, what can fail it? The success that you're thinking of, on what basis? If any of the elements no longer exist, can it fail? 
Would you write it down or do you just think it through? I do write it down. You write it down. Yeah. And do you keep that? Yeah. I use my own way to write it down because it's important. I write it down and then I start to work on my company. What changes we need to do to make it happen, to avoid these things. I have to keep on working on something to make sure the business is sustainable. It's very important. If it's not sustainable, it's no good because I can't see the future. It's not sustainable. So I have to make sure it's sustainable first. At least I can see next five years, I'm not going to be a problem for the company. Then at least in the short term, it's sustainable. So how about the long term? We have to keep on reviewing where we are, what is the challenges, and what we can do about it. So you you mentioned in the future now. So with your experience, how do you see the future in Asia, in China? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say about in Asia. It's, uh, it's too big for me. But at least I spend enough time in China. I would say China is still a good place to be, to do good business. It's very important that they really understand the local culture here. A lot of failures to do also, they think that their thinking is correct. Their thinking is good. So this is the way they want it to be done. But a lot of the time, we cannot ignore the people that work with us are Chinese. They are educated in a different manner. They have a different culture, different thinking. We have to respect it and embrace it. And then we are not trying to change them so much. We can change that a little bit, but not too much. But we also have to adapt and change ourselves. Otherwise, it's a big, big problem. I've seen a lot of failures because they, they refuse to recognize the local culture. But this is not a good way to do it. It may not be very good, but these people also are changing all the time. So we need to help them. want to see how to help them to think the way we want them to think. Not like pushing them away or force them to use your way because like, it's going to be a big problem because Chinese is very good at saying yes to you at the same time doing something different. So this is something that as an engineer, it comes from different world, different culture. You need to really look at these things because whatever you do, you still involve people. This is very important. Can you offer any general advice to entrepreneurs in China? I know you've, you've yeah. covered specific advice, but what general advice would you give to somebody just entering the Chinese market? Okay, generally, if they want to do the business on their own, so they need to really understand the market. Try to speak to more people, understand the market very well. Don't come to China for a few days, then go to another city in a few days, and then go home. Then a few more months later, come back, Another few more days, and then go home. It's not going to work. Okay? What will work? Spend time here. How long? Three months. Three six months. months. You really serious about doing business here? You need that kind of time to really learn about the market. It could be workable and very successful in other countries, say in the states or UK, Europe, whatever. But it may not be workable here because if they do not understand the culture here, the habits, the consumer habits, and stuff like that, it may not be. And then they have to stay here long enough to know is there anything similar in the pipeline or somebody is already doing it or already in the market. What they do is probably not workable. Then if they think, wow, I'm so excited, this is a very good idea I want to bring, no, it's not going to work. 
So that's why they need to understand the market very well before they start their business here. The second thing is, if we want to start here, they have to think of a way how to make sure the funding is secure. So it's important that if they can't continue to run a business here, they have to close it. Whatever they spend is all gone. They cannot ignore in China maintaining a company enterprise here is very costly. It's not cheap. A lot of the things they have to do on a monthly basis and because you do not have the expertise yourself, it's not worthwhile, especially for the beginners and the startups to engage your own staff. It's more costly than doing that. So you outsource to somebody, it's also very costly, but it's actually cheaper to do that, but just like it's also very costly. So they need so, more planning. Yes. So they have to really plan out all this thing, think through, and as a general rule, What's your risk? You have to think what can fail. This is a very simple question, but a lot of people just don't think it's important. My general advice is always think about this before you start something. So if they can do that well, they will start to think. I do not have enough capital. Do I, do I have the right person to work with? How do I get the right staff to start with this business? You know, things like that. All these things can be the factors that can fail the business. So if they do not think that way, then it's not going to work. So, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, yeah, how can they get in touch with you? They're welcome, and actually they can type Wilson, W-I-L-L-S-O-N, and then they can find us. On your website? Yeah. Are you on LinkedIn? I can be contacted in LinkedIn. Thank you very much, William. Yeah. We'll keep in touch. This brings us to the end of this episode of Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. Now we need you to hit the subscribe button and head over to asiabizstories.com for more great information on how to take your inspiration and turn it into action. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you join us next time on Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action.